CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. My siblings and I are insanely close, like probably... um, probably not healthy necessarily (laughs) but uh, but I my sister and I are 19 months apart and then my brother is two years younger than her and then my other brother is four years younger than my brother uh, Patrick so we're all within eight years of each other and I do everything with my siblings and also have the best memories of growing up and just being able to play with them all the time and you have built-in friends built-in partners and um and so that's definitely something that I would love to like recreate with um with our kids so my husband and I are very at the we're way at the bottom so when I was five nobody lived here anymore and I remember being bored like I was little and I was like there's no one to play with and like when I go to Kelly's house like her brothers are there and like when I go to Katie's house there's like it, you know what I mean I just kept being like where are all like the where are my brothers and sisters like why are they so much older and my husband the same so I do especially I don't know I think everything is so scary so to think about just creating like a tribe of people who hopefully really love each other and have each other's backs forever I think is like a really special thing speaking of having children did your because I obviously want to get into BDA but what did your mom tell you anything when you got pregnant like, I feel like my mom didn't tell me anything that she went through. And I felt a little like, how did you keep all this from me? Like, did, was your mom, did she tell you anything like logistically that like shocked you or prepared you or just, she was just excited you were pregnant? She, it's interesting because when I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I would ask my mom all these questions. And then her response was always like, Kevin, I don't remember. That was 30 something years ago. Like, I don't remember if I had, you know, um, round ligament pain or if I had <laughs> hurt when I was walking. Like, she, my mom made it, which I think is like, was really helpful for me because my mom was like, you know, I was pregnant when she was pregnant with me. She said she definitely had really bad morning sickness when she was pregnant and that she remembers doing the evening news and having a bucket next 
he would throw up in at commercial breaks. <laughs> and, and since then, run into the camera guys that she worked with, the lighting guys that she worked with, who always say to me like, oh, your mom threw up a lot when she was pregnant with you. So I, she told me a lot of that. But then she kind of said to me, you know, after she kind of got over the sickness part of it, that she really didn't skip a beat. She just like continued mm -hmm. life as normal. My dad also, you know, he's like somebody who's kind of like, let's, you got to keep up kind of a thing. So like yeah. my mom was, you know, playing tennis and skiing and swimming and, you know, water skiing, like doing all the things that now your OB is like, please don't please go Please don't ever do that. <laughs> So my mom really did that. And I think it helped me a lot when I was pregnant with, with my daughter, because it kind of gave me like, Oh, I need to be mindful of certain things, but also like, I'm, I can still go play tennis. Like I was playing tennis the week before she was born. And like, yep. I was walking, I was really active. I also know that I'm very lucky that I felt really good during my pregnancy because I know there are a ton of people who don't feel great. Um, but my mom was kind of, you're fine. Everything's good. And then when it came to labor, I was like, I just don't know, you know, cause my mom told me that she was in labor with me for almost like two days and it was a whole thing. And, and out I came, but my mom, you know, would always say to me, like, I understand that it's scary. You're going to be okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are women who have done this for since yeah, the beginning. Time. Time. My mom is very, um, loving, nurturing, caring, and also is like, you're Do strong. Do this. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. We had the same experience. She, she made it really lighthearted. And then as I started going through things, she was like, Oh, I remember that was really hard yeah. for me. Or like her birth story, her birth story with me was pretty traumatic. And so that was really how I designed my, you know, you can't, you hope that the baby just comes out healthy and whatever course, yeah. means. Right. But I definitely was like, Oh, I don't want that experience. Cause she pushed again, that like, way too long, like broke her tailbone, like couldn't sit down forever. Yeah. Like they gave her an epidural. I came out a second after she got the epidural, she felt all the pain and she passed out. Like, cause no yeah. one was really paying attention. So I definitely had those guided moments, but I guess I asked because it's so funny. I'm assuming you have such a close relationship with your mom as do yeah. I. And these are the humans that we like lean on for all this information as we become moms. But it does, as soon as you get pregnant, you kind of feel, although everyone around you, it seems has given birth, it kind of feels like you're in a world of one for some reason. Yeah, for sure. And I think definitely because, um, like when I was three and a half months pregnant, we went into lockdown with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So in that pregnancy, I definitely felt much more isolated than in this pregnancy where I feel like I can actually see my family. I can see like very select number of my friends, but, uh, and I have some of my friends who are pregnant at the same time as me. So that's been really nice. But yeah, I mean, with pregnancy, I asked my mom like questions about everything, especially because, you know, th this baby and my daughter will be similar age difference than to what my sister and I are. And so I ask a lot about that, just like sibling dynamic, mm. how to make that, you know, good and pleasant. And also just what I mainly ask my mom pretty much like every day about is just parenting because I feel like now 
parenting is very overwhelming and confusing as it always has been, but especially I feel like there are lost arts of certain parts of parenting that maybe today aren't kind of put a lot of emphasis on like manners or. I agree. That is our number one goal, a polite, well-mannered child. I feel with everything going on in people's, you know, lives and technology and media, social media, like all these different things, there's not the same level that, you know, when my, my mom and my dad were raising us kids, it was like very private, low key, Mm -hmm. um, a huge emphasis on manners, respect. Everything was very family oriented. There were, you know, rules and discipline and, you know, consequences Mm -hmm. for behavior, like all those kind of old school things. And also just like, I, I asked my mom about all of that. And, you know, also just like about marriage and um, relationships, friendships, like how everything goes. Cause I, I really admire the way that my mom has, you know, mothered us kids through childhood and adulthood mm-hmm. and continue to do every day, but also how my mom balanced so much and still managed to be a very hands-on attentive and present wife. I think she did like incredibly well. So I, I'm constantly like, how did you do this? How did you do that? So we talk a lot every day. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was the same. You and I think have the same kind of old school. You know, I had like very traditional parents in terms of my mom wanted to make sure no matter how busy she was, that there was like dinner ready for my dad and that she made him feel always really important and like very valued and that he felt like the strong man of the house because she knew that would make him happy. You know, we we had very much those like traditional roles. And it's funny because now I'm, you know, my husband is from Italy and grew up on the extreme of that extent, like where it was like kids are seen and not heard and his mom had all cleaned and cooked every meal. She never, you know, she never did anything social. And now I'm this, like, have multiple companies and I'm very like face forward. And my husband at times has like a hard time with it. And my mom will always remind me that like, you know, it's like, it's not like the PA show and like, he's the man of the house and like, he needs to feel important. And like, you know, he came home the other night and like dinner wasn't ready and he got upset. And I was like, you know what? That is so, and my mom looked at me and she was like, he worked really hard all day. And like, he's been on his feet all day and he just wanted to come home and like sit down with you and share. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) got it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, Selfish of me, of course. But I get it. And I think, I think the manners thing I think is really important. I'm going to put it in a formal request for you to write a children's book about manners. (laughs) (laughs) I by the way, I was like, you need to write one about manners because like even handwritten thank you notes, like it's, mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like nobody's doing anymore. But I, you know, for us, for kids, it was like, that was something you had to do immediately after your birthday. <laughs> it was just like what you did or make your bed, or if you mm-hmm. get a pet, that's your responsibility. And, you know, like things or stand up in the room when an adult walks in, like those kinds of things. And my mom is still, you know, even though my brothers are adults, if my brothers are in the family room at, at my mom's house and she walks in, she always goes (coughs) (laughs) like stand up. So it's, it's funny. I love it. And I think it's definitely something that's different with a lot of parents that I'm around now. (laughs) One kid at a kid's birthday party, we were in Manhattan beach 
there was this little boy who was so, you know, we were drawn to him because he, my husband and I look very similar. We were, it was before I had a baby, we were drawn to this little boy because he looked really similar to us. He had big brown eyes and, and dark brown hair and it was like side parted and he had this, and he looked like a little man. And I said hi to him and he introduced himself and he shook our hands and looked us in the eye. Very I'm, rare. I'm all the other kids were like, and like grabbing cell phones and throwing things, you know, being kids, which is obviously fine. But he knew that he had to, and he kind of looked back at his parents to be like, did you see I did my thing? You know, and it was, I'll never forget that little boy. And when I was pregnant the whole time, we, what I thought was really important, we spoke so often at the dinner table while I was pregnant about who we wanted her to be and how we wanted her to enter our room and how we wanted her to be respectful. We would always take note of other kids' behavior and be like, okay, that was cute how they did that. Or like, we definitely don't want her doing those kinds of things. And I, I think that that is so lost now, but like, I I just keep thinking like, how are you going to teach your kids to like enter a workforce or network with people or interact at school if they aren't polite and kind to other children. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because even though, I mean, my daughter is 18 months old and I even see it with like some parents of kids that are young. It's just like, you know, people choose to parent very differently or, you know, and also just like they have different ways of dealing with certain behavioral things than you do or that you might be used to, or, you know, I think it's just, I'm obviously very new to it, so I'll see, but yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens when they start talking back. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all so fascinating and interesting. And I feel so lucky all the time that I have my mom as like a soundboard with it because mm-hmm. I literally call her for everything. But I'm trying I tell her all the time, like, you need to write a book on parenting and manners and like old school mm-hmm. um manners that are just like now like thank you cards, a lost art, or, you know, Mm -hmm. shaking someone's hand, making eye contact, like all of these things that are not focused on anymore. (laughs) I'm sure you have heard my fertility story multiple times, but when I went to my doctor, when we wanted to start trying, I said, Hey, do you want to like, give me some tests to see if my hormones are looking good? Or if I have a lot of eggs, like what are we working with here? And he said, come back to me in six months if you're not pregnant. I didn't know about modern fertility at the time, but that is exactly what I would have done. And that is exactly why modern fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You just mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, which is also known as how many eggs you have compared to other women your age and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same information at $159, which is a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash Piet, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars towards modern fertility. If you want kids today or one day in the future, which all of you write into us about in the Q&As, just get clinically sound information about your body that can help you make the right decision for you. 
Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at the doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia. That's modernfertility.com slash Pia. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. What was the genesis of BDA? I mean, having a baby in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely having a baby in a time where I felt like, you know, pretty isolated and alone and uh, and was really grateful to have the ability to connect with different moms and communities of moms on social media. I think social media has a lot of wonderful things and also there are a ton of negative parts of it as well, but being able to, to see and connect with other people as they go through their postpartum journey or as you go through yours and be able to ask questions, get feedback and information. And then also just, I was home with my daughter and she was four or five months old and I just felt like there were so many things, again, like when you're talking about asking your mom about things, there were so many things that like, I felt like being postpartum in a pandemic that I couldn't ask people about mm. because I've really done it. Yeah. And there were people who were going through it at the same time as me, but it wasn't like, what are you doing to, you know, manage anxiety or, mm. you know, like there were certain things that were just like new to everyone. So it was kind of like the blind leading the blind a little bit, but being able to have a time, you know, every week where people could ask questions or we could have a guest come on that would talk about something specific that would allow for people to feel like they were part of a community at a time that lonely and isolating and feel like they could be a part of that and also be informed about certain things was really important to me and something that I was really passionate about and am really passionate about and have felt really helpful just in my own experience since becoming a parent. And I love it. I mean, we talk about everything from like sex after baby to partner relationships, to breastfeeding, to fertility, like everything you could possibly imagine. And I learned so much and also love the fact that people could, you know, ask their own questions and be able to, to get them answered. And the feedback that I get of just like, thank you for talking about something that isn't talked about enough Mm -hmm. is really exciting for me. So what was the biggest surprise for you in your pregnancy and postpartum? My pregnancy, definitely the (laughs) pandemic part threw me for a loop. Did you want people to touch your stomach? Like, were you like, why is nobody fawning over me? I felt that way. I wasn't, I didn't care about somebody touching my stomach as much as I felt like I knew from, like, I have very vivid memories of being really little and just like loving having a doll and loving carrying the doll, changing the diaper, feeding the baby. Like my mom got me one of those ones that you fed and it like mm-hmm. went to the bathroom and you had to change the diaper. Like I always as long as I can remember, wanted to be a mom. And when my brother, youngest brother, Christopher was born, I was eight. And so for me, I 
was like, this is like my baby. Like, this is like my baby. I, you know, helped change his diaper. I would feed him. I would, you know, carry his diaper bag. Like I was like a little mommy's helper. And so I always fantasized about what it would be like when I would first get pregnant. And, you know, when I would be able to share that with my friends and also I come from a big family. So my cousins and like, we would talk about that. So for me, I felt like really my biggest thing that I was like really missing or I missed felt that I missed out on was not seeing my family and not seeing my friends pregnant. Like I, I never saw my uncles or my aunts uh, with like a big pregnant belly. I never saw them as I was growing and I never saw my cousins and I have tons of cousins. So like, I felt like I was missing that part of it. Like I didn't care about a baby shower. I didn't care about, you know, all the up going into a store and trying a stroller. Like I didn't care about any of that. I was like, I really felt like, Oh, it's such a bummer. Cause my family's so close. I really wish I could see my family and my cousins and my aunts and uncles be a part of this journey with me. So that was sad, but so that was kind of, I think the biggest surprise. Cause I thought for sure, like, Oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss out on trying products and like going into the store mm-hmm. and out for the baby and like, you know, all of that. But I think the thing that was most surprising is probably how much I missed this idea. Cause I think, you know, if you're a young girl, you kind of think about like when you're going to get married or when you're going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was different than I had kind of anticipated or imagined. <laughs> we took a baby moon to Mexico when things like loosened up and everyone was like, you're crazy. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like I need to go on some sort of yeah. trip. And we went to this beautiful town in Mexico and had the most wonderful time. But it was like, it's the second that we landed, everyone was so in awe of me and everywhere we went, they would touch my belly and congratulate me. And, and it was so warm and loving and, you know, people don't really, you know, everyone would get off the sidewalk for me and (laughs) graduate me and call me beautiful. And I, it makes me emotional thinking about it now. I was like, this is all I wanted the whole time, you know, just have people be like, cause I, when I was growing up, my mom would see a pregnant woman we were those annoying people that would be like, Oh my God, how far are you? Like, can I touch it? Oh my God. Like my mom was so affectionate with strangers and so congratulatory. And, and I grew up that way too. I always, every time I see a pregnant person, congratulate them, ask them another feeling. And so I, I, I've, you know, outside of, of course, missing family, there was this thing, just like humanistic thing that I was like, where is everyone? Like, <laughs> like, why isn't everyone like, like, I want to cut a line in a bathroom because I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I, I also feel like speaking of like lost art or like old school things, I feel like that's a little bit lost too. Completely. Like, yeah. Like I, I even have found it, you know, this pregnancy, it's like I can be on a walk or with a stroller and people like, like all the street care <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, whatever it is. So I, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's nice, obviously like this pregnancy people are, you know, like, oh my God, congrats, like, congrats. <laughs> that's definitely nice. But I didn't have any kind of recollection of me missing that the first time around. I, I don't know why that was so important to me. And then what was so surprising for you postpartum? I think postpartum, um, probably, I mean, I knew that everybody says postpartum is like a real trip and you don't really know 
you know, how you're going to respond to things or what's going to happen, blah, blah. So I knew I would be emotional and I definitely was emotional, but I was more emotional about like, you know, I would be holding my daughter breastfeeding and I would be like, I would start crying and I would just be like, oh my God, I can't believe like I'm a mom and like I'm breast, like this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. You, I'm sure you've, have you told them about this? Yeah. I, I say it to my mom all the time. Cause I remember like I, and we were staying, um, when my daughter was born, I was living at my, uh, my uncle Bobby's house that I grew up going to because we were building a home. And so we were, I was there in this house that like I had grown up in, which already was like, oh, this is also triggering emotional. <laughs> and, and so I was like in there and I was like looking out the window and I was just like, I've grown up coming here. And and also like I'm born and raised in LA. Like I'm, I live now five minutes from my childhood home. So I like, live I'm, in my childhood home. This was my parents' bedroom growing up. No. My daughter's in my old room. See, like that's incredible. It's emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's so emotional. I mean, I get like, my mom saved so much from my childhood, of, like my clothes and, and I put my daughter in the clothes and that's emotional. And, it's like, so real- rare. It's so yeah. rare. I know it's very rare and it's definitely something that I want to do for sure with, for her. But I like, remember just like saying to my mom at one point, I was like, it's just all so beautiful. Like I was like, (laughs) I was like, this is just so amazing. She's like, are you, do you think you're okay? Like, do you want to come over? And I'm like, no, you could have COVID. You can't come over. Like (laughs) I'm fine. I am fine. Like it was, it was um, definitely like, I told my mom a lot about that. And then I think I remember like talking to my sister a little bit about it, just like buckle up for when you do this. Cause it's, <laughs> it's a lot of unexpected emotion. <laughs> but by the way, those are, those are beautiful. Those are beautiful sentiments. And I, I felt robbed while I was pregnant. Cause everyone kept telling me how like, it was like, every time I talked to someone, it was like, oh, it's almost time. Like, you know, get your sleep in now. You're never going to sleep again. And like, I hope you have, a, and we didn't get a night nurse. Cause I was just like, I, I think I can do it. Like, I don't, sleep's not that important to me. I don't feel, you know, and all my friends are like, how are you not like, what are you trying to prove? Like, how are you not having a night nurse? You're never going to walk. Like I didn't get out of bed for a month. And like, everyone's stories are so different. So different. Yeah. And I think everybody telling me theirs in a negative way, almost in like, you should really know what's possible. Or, you know, after three months, you're going to be so emotional when you stop breastfeeding. And like, none of those things, I was so emotional, but almost in like a grateful, nostalgic way, I wasn't depressed and it all was fine. Like, I feel like having a newborn is way easier than having something that's like transitioning into toddler. And then like, toddler's going to be insane. Like transitioning the toddler, what I have heard. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, I think when you come home, I mean, for me at least, and maybe for you too, like, I felt definitely emotional. Like, I felt the hormones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt, you know, emotional. I would, like, towards the end of my pregnancy, I would see a commercial and I would cry, like, That's you know, the typical things. But, but I definitely felt very, grateful, like that kind Mm -hmm. of feeling of like, I'm so grateful that I can breastfeed because you don't know how that's going to go. And Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that like, I feel good physically and that I, you know, am so grateful that my daughter is healthy and that like we're home and I have family here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that, especially at the time that, you know, that she was born, there was just so much going on in the world that 
made me even more grateful to even have that alone time with her and just alone time and with myself to be able to really just like sit in so much gratitude for being healthy and being able to experience what I was experiencing and, um, and have a great support system. And even though a lot of it was virtual, just be able to really like sit in that and not have to worry about like, you know, Oh, so-and-so wants to come over. Like everybody kept telling me the silver lining is, is that like, you won't be inundated with people wanting to come (laughs) over and visit you, which is the most annoying thing ever. So that I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. I don't have to like worry about part of it, but yeah. About like looking nice and making sure there's food for people who are popping in to meet the baby. I could not imagine. My mom was like, Oh, an hour after you were born, all of our friends came over with champagne and smoking cigars in the delivery room. I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) So Dobby Day's father in Sicily, my husband's father was wanting to come. And we were like, that's you're we're in a pandemic. Like, and he was like, no, because I need, I want to be in the hospital. Like, how are we going to celebrate? Like, I want to be in the room. And we were like, not only are you not coming here, like <laughs> definitely not coming in the room. Like, cause in Italy, there's just a thousand people there. And well, then- I mean, like if I could, if I could, and this is like so probably disturbing for my family. If I could, I would love for my whole family to be in my <laughs> I would love nothing more. That's than- so cute. I want you love your family. I know. Yeah. I would love nothing more than to have like my mom, my dad, my siblings in there and my husband, of course. And then um, like I would even sprinkle in some of my like childhood <laughs> friends just to like, <laughs> because I also... I'm one of those people that really thrives off of like people making like uncomfortable comedic jokes <laughs> at strange times. Yeah, yeah. So like I, like one of my brother's best friends from when he was in preschool and still today, like his name is Will. I would love for him to be Yeah, there Will just, should be there. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> freak him out about the whole thing. And then like, I'd love for my sister to be there for the drama effect of it because, you know, she would for s- somehow end up with like a vitamin drip in my delivery room. Like, I would love all of that because it would just be so pleasantly chaotic. Like I childhood was that I'm just like, I bring it and it makes me laugh. If you ask any of my siblings, like I laugh at the most inappropriate and uncomfortable times to the point where like when my, my husband and I first started dating, he thought there was like for sure something wrong with me. (laughs) Does he have this relationship with his family? Like, because I grew up this way and a lot of my friends did and their husbands are like, why are there always people here? Like, like what is going on? Like, can you do anything without telling like all of your family and three friends? And we're like, no. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, it was funny because like in the beginning, it was some, one of the first things that I told my husband on when we first started dating. Like I was like, just so you know, so you know, (laughs) I think with my family, we all live like 10 minutes from each other. I talk to everybody multiple times a day. I talk to, you know, my mom and my sister specifically like four times a day each. Mm -hmm. Like this is how it is. You know, I am very close with my cousins, my uncles, like this is a tight knit group that you're walking into. And my husband's also the youngest in his family. So He's very much like my little brother, which is interesting, but it's, <laughs> they're very similar with just they're like, okay, cool. Great. Yeah, like go with thing. it. There could be 10 people here or there could be, you know, absolutely no one. And they're great. good to go. And also my family loves my husband. And so they get along with him really well. So he fit in 
fits in really, really well and fit in from the beginning very like yeah. seamlessly. So that is very helpful. <laughs> yes. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you not only live a healthy, balanced lifestyle, but truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich meals and functional wellness essentials that build a foundation for radiant health. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic ready-to-eat meal delivery program, which I'm sure you have seen me use plenty of times on my Instagram. And if you haven't seen the food, you've definitely seen me use their functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, I don't know how they do it, but it's delivered right to your door. The Saqqara Shop is stocked with functional plant-rich products and wellness essentials to help you create a body that you feel strong and vibrant in, like their best-selling Metabolism Super Powder, which... You have definitely seen me use a lot. The plant protein bars, teas, and their newest functional snack, the Super Seed and Nut Blends. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue Goop, the New York Times, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash best or enter code best at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash B-E-S-T to get 20% off your first order. Scar.com slash best. Okay. I also want to talk about you being a New York Times bestselling author. And oh. you wrote book, three books that are pretty much the most perfect categories of life, which was like <laughs> forgiveness, which is an incredible tool that is, you know, because I feel like resentment is something that lives in your body and makes people sick ultimately. What did yeah. you do after college, which is like every day I feel like I get DMs being like, hi, you just graduated. Like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I don't have the, <laughs> I don't know, because also right now it's really com- confusing. And then, I mean, a book about your adopted dog. I mean, the like the opening pages of him, like getting hit by like dirty water and shivering <laughs> <and> hungry. <laughs> emotional. Yeah. And then I, I wrote a book about body image when I was in college as well. So I, feel like I've been able to, and I'm really, uh, I love being able to do this, but like I have written each of my books really just off of like life experiences and what I was going. So when I wrote like my first book about body image, it was because I was really like struggling with body image. And I felt like that was something that I didn't have when I was in high school that I wish I had had. And I felt lucky that I, you know, of course had a really attentive and loving mother, but I was aware that like a lot of people don't have that. So I wanted to kind of like put all that information in a book. And then when I graduated and I was like, so what did I just go to college? (laughs) Like what I'm supposed to, I thought that like you graduate from college and you're like set to go with what you're going to do when Mm -hmm. you enter the real world. And I didn't feel that way. So that was that book. Um, and then my children's book was really, really fun. Like I, I Maverick is really my dog. So I fell in love with Maverick and also just the whole adoption and animal rescue worlds. I've always been a huge animal lover, but the world of animal rescue I was introduced to, and it was, and continues to be just like a very passionate group of people, but also a really beautiful group of people who just like want the best for animals. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so I wanted to teach kids about that. And then my forgiveness book, which I was on my book tour, newly pregnant when the world shut down, which was fascinating. Mm. Uh, But we did a whole virtual book tour and it was actually really amazing because I think the subject of forgiveness, as you said, is like such a challenging one for majority of us. And, And so for people to be able to connect with the topic of forgiveness from the comfort of their homes, I think actually mm. ended being a better uh, setup for this yeah. book typically. And also allowed, I think for a lot of people uh, because the world stopped and everybody was kind of like, okay, you have to sit inside and just like stay there. So mm-hmm. you can save. It was really, I think for a lot of people that I talked to, the first time that they really allowed themselves to focus on forgiveness because Mm -hmm. forgiveness is one of those things. It's like you put it off and you put it off because it's just too much. It's like too emotional. It's too challenging. It's too complicated. You don't want to deal with it. You know, your life is fast paced. You have a ton going on. You want to get to that later. It's also so hard um, for a lot of us. So it's like, we just put it off. And then when you all of a sudden are at home with like, not a ton to do except for sit inside, then a lot of people gave themselves permission to actually focus on their forgiveness journey. We're all, or, or just any kind of human living in this world where a lot of us are hurt. You know, I mean, I have a sibling that I'm working through some, she met my daughter for the first time this weekend and we live five minutes from each other. But like, I, you know, I think it's, I think healthy boundaries are really safe, but I do think it's, it's lighter and healthier and easier for me personally, if I am not holding on to something, you know, I, I think I need to read it. It's like, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I literally have it here. There's a pile of books next to my bed that since I gave birth, I'm like, I got to read again because now I just get into bed and pass out. I read so much when I was pregnant, but I think it's such an honorable topic. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. I'm how many of those did you just think? Oh, I do that. <laughs> and let's not forget doom scrolling. I definitely do that. Sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under or overeating. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. And now with our sponsor, betterhelp.com, you really don't have any excuses, right? BetterHelp Online Therapy is an incredible tool. I mean, growing up, I had many different therapists, and I always remember the awkward moment I'd have to meet them for the first time in person or sit in a waiting room or like I used to drive 45 minutes, even if there wasn't traffic. Think about when there's with traffic across LA to speak to my therapist. With BetterHelp, you can talk to a therapist anywhere easily in your home. You can speak to a licensed professional within 24 hours. You can do with or without video. You can message your therapists. This is an incredible tool. BetterHelp is customized online therapy. Like I said, it offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Also, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Just give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and everything is the best listeners. Get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Pia. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Pia. I mean, you must get 
feedback that must be so touching and emotional from that book, huh? Definitely. I mean, I think the whole process, because for me, the, the book is, and my goal with the book was to not have it be about me, but to have it be about, you know, different people's journeys with forgiveness, because again, it's such a complicated subject that, you know, for one person, it's very easy to kind of forgive and forget Mm -hmm. for another person. They hold on to it for 50 years for another person. You know, they need 10 years to go through whatever your forgiveness journey is, or also not choosing to forgive is a whole other part of, of the subject of forgiveness. So it was really just interesting to me to see how the role of forgiveness played such different roles in everybody's lives. And that's, you know, the collection of people that are in there all have very different experiences with forgiveness or not forgiving. And it was important for me to have all of that in there. And also when I was doing the book, it gave me, I've always been raised, you know, by my parents to treat people with kindness because you never know what someone else is going through, especially Mm -hmm. a stranger. And I have always, you know, really tried hard to do that. But I think during my time doing this book, I would tell people would say like, oh, so what are you working on now? And I would say, I'm working on a book on forgiveness and people's reactions to I'm working on a book with forgiveness (laughs) was like, like, it was very interesting because some people were like, oh my God, like that's a loaded one. Or people would pause and like start getting emotional because you say the word forgiveness. And for most of us, we instantly go to some moment or some Mm -hmm. person you haven't forgiven or that you remember having a very challenging time forgiving. And so there would be times where I would sit with, you know, like I remember sitting with a woman at my mom's house because my mom has Sunday dinner every Sunday with our whole family. And she had one of her friends over who I've known for a very long time. And I told her I was working on a book on forgiveness and she like started sobbing at the table and she Mm. was just, I, you know, I'm so angry at this person in my life and I'm really struggling with this. And I, this is somebody that like I had known for a very long time and I had no idea that she was going through that. So it just, you know, you really, when it comes to forgiveness, it's very hard for a lot of us. And it's also, you know, when able to be practiced incredibly for, uh, freeing and, And so you read these stories and you hear from these people who have these forgiveness journeys that are just like completely unimaginable for so many of us, but also are really um, inspiring because obviously the feeling of feeling and sense of freedom that you feel after you're able to forgive is Mm -hmm. an incredible one. And it was um, a really, a really incredible experience for me to write the book and also to just promote the book and talk to people and connect with people about a subject that is not like necessarily a fun one to be talking <laughs> Do you always want to be a writer? Um, no. I mean, I, when I was younger, I, uh, my mom always had us in the summer, especially when we would travel, she would always make us write in our journals. And I always was really frustrated by the fact that we had to do that all the time. But then I, as I, kind of got further into high school, I started journaling on my own because I felt like it was like therapy for me. Like I remember my first breakup in high school, I like wrote the entire breakup in my journal and I still have the journal. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) like the whole journal is like, this is, I I hate him. I do that. Like it's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. And it's, my mom always said to me, like, you're going to be so grateful when you have these, when you're older and you're able to look back on like a trip that you went on with your grandparents that you journaled about, or being able to relive like 
your mm-hmm. high school experience from your perspective, like these are all things and, and I am so grateful to have them. And also I'm grateful now as like a mom that I can show these to my daughter one day, yes. and have her do that. So I always loved writing, but I never necessarily thought that it was something that I was going to do professionally, but it's definitely for me, I mean, it's not only therapeutic and cathartic to be able to do, but it's also you know, with everything I do, whether it's writing or with BDA baby, it's really to just be able to talk to people, have uh, conversations with people with the goal of, of having another person feel less alone in their journey. So if it's about forgiveness or life after college or becoming a new parent or getting pregnant, whatever it is, it's, you know, people are struggling with that. It's a very lonely and isolating those subjects can be lonely and isolating and also life can be really hard. So if I could be able to have a conversation and help one less, one person feel less alone or feel informed or supported, then I feel like that has served its purpose. Well, you're definitely doing that. You should be so proud of yourself. (laughs) Where can everybody see BDA? It's all lives on your Instagram, right? Yeah. So we go live every Thursday at noon Pacific standard time, um, on my Instagram and we just launched a newsletter and the newsletter has recaps that you can't tune, tune in live. Um, as well as like all of the mom products that we talk about, because I'm sure, you know, that yes. there are like, <laughs> um, and awesome discount codes and also just like great people that contribute to it. So, um, so yeah, it's all on my Instagram, which is Catherine Schwarzenegger and, um, and the lives are every Thursday. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. This is so you're bursting you. at the seams over there with that other little baby. How are, are you <laughs> feeling good? Oh yeah. I feel great. I, good. at the beginning, I was like not feeling so good, but now I feel, I feel great. It's also very different. I will say being pregnant and running after a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to sit on the couch and put my feet up. That's not happening. this time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Thank you so, so, so much. I will link everything in uh, the description so everyone can find you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barancini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.